The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. We're going to kickstart our weekend with a man who's deeply expert in all things women's football for further analysis with Gerald Farley. How's life? I haven't seen you in ages. It's good. Life is very good. Yeah, um, now that I'm back on the road, I'm a happy man. <laughs> this must be very early for, for you because my understanding of a comedian's life is that you don't tend to rise until noon at the earliest. Yeah, I mean, I, I was never like that because I had a day job for much of my comedy career. <laughs> um, so I was always up at maybe seven o'clock in the morning. And I do find that if I have to write... If I get up at half six or seven, that's when I'll get it done. If I lay around in bed, it you write comedy at half six in the morning. Do you? <laughs> it, well, that's when my I, that's when I'm sharp. I mean, the the window of when I'm sharp these days. I mean, it's getting smaller and smaller. <laughs> so you just take it when you can get it. But it's nice. The house is quiet. You had not just did you have a proper job, but you had one of those jobs that is now hyper in demand. You were in <laughs> IT and all those. Like you could be making. Bucket loads of proper, honest to God, nine to five money. And I, I was very nearly an IT again. I mean, when the when the pandemic first hit, I uh, the first thing I did was, well, <laughs> you know, you have six weeks money in the bank, so you need to get a job, girl. Uh, and I found that five years of being a full time stand up comedian does not. <laughs> go very far. It's a difficult gap to it's explain on the CV. Explain, yeah, I think you're better off saying that you were in prison. Actually, to be honest, <laughs> I mean, I got called in for a couple of second of inter- interviews, and the the interviews were asking essentially what other comedians were like. So it obviously been googled between interview one and interview two. Um, Did uh, you answer that question honestly? Because I imagine that could be a long and enjoyable conversation. No, I wasn't. I was actually I knew very much what was happening, and I decided this probably wasn't the job for me. And if I was doing the interview in my kitchen, I was going to be a bit shirty. <laughs> so needless to say, I didn't get those jobs. So I went and did a postgrad during the pandemic. Did uh, you? Yeah, well, I mean, I, mean, I assumed. Uh, I thought, you know, this isn't coming back. And I felt, I also thought as well, like I had been touring for years and I'd, you know, I'd <laughs> done a very good job at staying an underground comedian. <laughs> They're the best kind. They're the ones who I stay know, true I to am. the art. Yeah, peer approval. It means yeah. absolutely nothing when you're trying to pay None your mortgage. None of this Dara O'Brien <laughs> high earning <laughs> stuff. <laughs> no arenas for me. Um, so, yeah, I, well, I figured it was going to take too long, I think, to build up to touring the way I had been touring. Uh, so I just thought, I just, I think I need to get a job and do something else. And I finished the postgrad and I've, I haven't opened Java since. <laughs> what did you do the postgrad in? It was in web development. I, I had always been slightly more... Uh, so you could build me a website if I asked. <laughs> I realise this is not what we're here to talk about but it's nice to to know somebody has a sideline It's nice to get a deal when you can lock someone in on air (laughs) and you could do that for 50 quid couldn't you? (laughs) But um, yeah I mean it was was humbling I think to be back uh, doing exams in my spare room while we're t- talking about what, what other comedians are like, I, I did mention him. I had I had only met him, I think, in, in person um, recently for the first time. Maybe I have that wrong, but I, I think it was the first time I'd seen him face to face. Darrow Breen is very big. He's very tall, man. He's a, he's a gigantically he tall man. Is. He doesn't look that big when you see him on stage or on the telly, but when you meet him in person, he's Devon Tony. I know, big. he's quite a presence, yeah. I mean, he can't really get away, especially in Edinburgh. You'll just see, like, his head above everybody else's head <laughs> just walking by. Like, so he, he always gets clocked. But, I mean, I have a lot to thank Tara Breen for because, I mean, I don't... I, I mean, I know him now, but I didn't know him at the time, and it was him that told uh, his agent that they should sign me. Um, so. Back in the day, yeah, I I didn't realize he was at the gig, or but he 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 then took the time to go to his agents and say you need to see the, go see that guy. Well, fair play to that man because there are not many who do the same job as you who will invest in trying to shove absolutely you forward. Absolutely not, I mean, no, I, I, I would absolutely do. try to destroy other comedians. I mean, <laughs> we're all in competition at the end of the day. 
Uh, David from Galway has been in touch to say it is wonderful to know that my IT degree will be useful for a future career in stand-up comedy. Yeah, it will. It really will. Um, It was very strange because I, I went back on tour with Joanne McNally in January. Well, funny, the next tweet says, Garoda's great. I saw him on Joanne's tour and he was brilliant. From oh, good. Thank you very much. And we, like when we started tour and then all of a sudden I got this email about that I had to go and graduate and I'd completely forgotten I'd even done it. I thought, oh my God, yeah, I forgot I'd get a graduation out of this, which my parents found very funny. So does that mean then that things are back to the way that they were in the comedy scene if we're not closing this deal on the website that I wanted to give you 50 quid for? <laughs> well, for me, things are an awful lot better. Uh, because I uh, I toured, I've been on tour with Joanne for a year and she is playing to massive audiences here and in the UK and they seem to like me. <laughs> so uh, a lot of my shows are selling out, which it's so funny. Like I, I'm not used to having sold out shows. I don't really know the way that works. So people will say things like, you know, oh, are there any tickets? And I was like, no, they're sold out. There isn't tickets, are there? And then I, I only found out this week that Sometimes there's an allocation with the box office and they can try with the box office. Oh, God, these are the things they don't tell you when you're not successful. It's like, because I, I was talking to Neve Cavanagh and she, the, the interesting thing she said is that when you're rehearsing the Eurovision, the thing they don't tell you is what to do if you win. So she had absolutely no idea what to do when she won. So she completely missed the prize giving. <laughs> she was getting ready to sing the song again. <laughs> This is, of course, because you do agony rants. You and Neve Kavanaugh do a podcast where you offer people life and relationship advice. Out of curiosity, God, what caused you to believe that you were qualified in any way I to do such a thing? I have absolutely no business. No business whatsoever giving anybody life advice. The show came about as a complete accident. Uh, Neve wanted to do a podcast and she'd wanted to do one for years. And I, I, I've known her for a very long time. And I uh, said many times that that would be an absolutely terrible idea. And <laughs> it would be awful and I'd have absolutely no interest in it. But during the pandemic, I thought, well, let's just make a pilot. So we went away and I did a shout out on Instagram to ask people for, I can't remember what it was, to their experience of like whatever our first topic was. And people somehow got that we were going to answer problems and we got three or four and we thought well, we might as well just do this. So we, we answered the problems to make the pilot to give to, to head stuff to see if they'd take the show and then Neve came up with the title Agony Rants she, her and her agents and I thought well it seems like this has all been done without me so okay let's do it and uh, bizarrely it's successful people listen every week I love um, the way that in every possible way you're stunned by your own success <laughs> I like, really really am you? I'm shocked it's just this is very much this is new to me <laughs> so if you're if you're trying to sell us this notion that you get up at half six in the morning and begin to uh, write comedy what does the average Gerald Farley weekend look like what what does the day hold for you today Today, I uh, am going to go and get a haircut and then I'm doing a show in Liberty Hall tonight, which uh, is... Is one necessary for the other? I think so. Yeah, things aren't great up top at the moment. <laughs> we need to get this haircut. I mean, I, oh, the, the audience that, I think at least. I, um, uh, can, can I um, open up to you about something? Go on. I've, I've had over the past while to find a new barber. It is actually, it's kind of, it's quite sad. My barber of, of 20, no, 13 <gasps> years died. No. And I, I miss him terribly. He was a lovely man, but it did cause me to then have to get a new. And it's very difficult to. Does does it's it's a very narrow gap that you need somebody to step through to be your barber. Exactly. It's the chat. Exactly. I can't handle the chat. Correct. Like that has to be the right level of chat. It's like interest versus Civility. intrusion. Yeah. Yes. 
And also the height of the chair, I think, is very important. Correct. Yeah, because the, like I've noticed with a lot of barbers, if the chair is too low, you can sometimes find that they're leaving their junk on your shoulder. And it's like, I'm not into that. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I was at a dentist once who used my chest as a, as a little tray for keeping stuff. I was like, nah. Not this. When I was a kid, I had an operation on an ingrown toenail. <laughs> I'm glad you brought this up. <laughs> this is a score I've wanted to settle I'm for really quite a long time. And I, they give you the you the injection in, the, in your foot, and you're awake while you're doing this, this but right? I'll take your word. So they were doing the, the the operation, whatever they were doing. I think I was about maybe 11 years old, and then a lady came in and she put a, a ring binder on my chest, and she opened it, <laughs> <laughs> whacked it back right onto my face, and was looking. And then somebody said, he, "He's not out, actually." <laughs> And she went, oh, hello, sorry. <laughs> I thought, my God almighty. I had, uh, while we're sharing, this is like Monty Python, <laughs> you lived in a shoebox, you were lucky. Um, I had a dentist at one point when I was about six years of age who was doing something, I don't know what it was, and there was smoke emerging from my mouth and I went, ah, and he said, shh, I'm watching the Queen's speech. Because he had a replay of the Queen's speech. And it's like it was an Irish dentist. Oh, my God. That's the odd thing about that. An I Irish say we abandon the rest the of this program and just share together, girls. There's a yeah, lot that we can... There's a big catharsis for us both. If people would like to contribute to the success that so shocks you, where can they see you live? How do they get tickets? Uh, I'll be on tour uh, for the rest of the year. Um, if you want, you can follow me on Instagram at Garode Farrelly. And all of my the dates that have tickets available are in the link in my bio. Um, you love saying that go. the dates that have yeah. tickets available I've if you're lucky lads I mean I we always have to go on shows and pretend you know <laughs> tickets are very limited it's like literally there's a whole balcony <laughs> that they're going to close <laughs> but uh, yeah I'll be all around the country and we're adding a load of dates uh, in the next two weeks so yeah come see me I hope the it. gigs go well girl as always it is lovely to see you The Anton Savage Show Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.